Hello and welcome to Diary of a Common Man. This is episode 13th and thank you for joining me once again. And thank you for all your support, all your emails, WhatsApp, uh, messages uh, of prayers and uh, well wishes, good wishes for my safety. Thank you so much. Since last week, I've received further information regarding Imam's mercy. During COVID, Jamaat Khanas are closed, most of them anyway. This means no money. So to demonstrate how merciful the Imam is, he has asked his councils to call the followers who are at home to pay him the 12.5% dason, the religious due. But please don't get him wrong. The followers will get something in return. They will get a phone call from the Mukhi Sahib who will pray that may Imam protect them against COVID. Another report I've received is in relation to Mannat or, or a vow that somebody has taken and now they no longer feel that they can fulfill that vow and uh, they are now worried about the consequences of not fulfilling that vow. So don't worry, you can go to your friendly Mukhi Sahib, hand him some uh, money and uh, the Mukhi Sahib will basically have it uh, cleared for you. Yet another report in relation to Awal Sufro. We spoke about Awal Sufro last week and uh, we learned that the spiritual benefit of bringing the food is auctioned and then the food is auctioned. Now we didn't talk about how valuable this auction is or the bidding. The, I didn't give people an idea of how big the bidding can be. One viewer has called me to say the bidding can be in millions, not in uh, thousands, but in millions. And somebody else has said that $50,000 of Al-Sufro is commonplace in North America, nothing to worry about. And yet another report is that last week I was not sure whether there is fixed price memani available or not. But yes, the good news is you can offer a fixed price memani to your Imam. Yet another report is basically telling me that when children are born and parents take them to Jamaat Khana uh, to hand them over to Aga Khan, uh, the process, the, sorry, the ceremony is called the Bayat. And during this ceremony, I am now told that the kind Mukhi Sahib is offering a package deal. So let's understand this package deal. The way it works, you know how we discussed last week that there are so many uh, religious meetings, the majalises which you can participate in and each majalis has got a price tag. Uh, on it. So basically instead of admitting the child individually and paying individually, why don't you take the convenience, benefit from the convenience of a package deal where you can pay a lump sum for all the majalises upfront uh, and 
for the rest of the life the child will not have to pay anything at all this is for entry fee that is uh, so that is available in your local jamaat khana so please uh, go and benefit uh, of that facility but please do not ask for discount because there is no discount available last week i requested your thoughts uh, on whether i should commence an urdu version of this series thank you so much to everyone who have responded via youtube via whatsapp and via email and via phone calls uh, unfortunately the poll was um, inconclusive it was literally a situation a half half situation so i would like to share my thoughts now on this issue in case you are in a better position to advise me let's understand the situation my campaign is to make aga khanis aware not only aga khanis aware but the islamic ummah and the global community aware that a financial abuse particularly of poor people uh, abuse of trust may be going on within the aga khani system not only that these activities may be happening in the name of islam okay so our goal is to make everyone aware that this is what is going on or could be going on in the place of worship called the jamaat khana the aga khani jamaat khana that is our goal now why do we have to make people aware what can they do why not ask aga khan to bring reform so that the system becomes transparent it becomes ethical and uh, most importantly it does not cause offense to muslims but there is a problem there is a road block aga khan is not accessible to listen to you you cannot get to him to discuss the issue i have tried many times in the past so the key takeaway here is you cannot access aga khan to request a dialogue so we are now back to the followers so could we speak to the followers to convince aga khan to have a dialogue because they are the ones at the end of the day who could be out in the open uh, god forbid something happens now there is a problem with that as well just like aga khan is not accessible uh, the followers are not accessible either no sooner you approach them they run for cover and if they can't find the cover they immediately dig their head in the sand even before a word has been spo- spoken that's how scared they are of intelligible questions so both aga khan and his followers are not accessible they are in hiding so let's understand why would they hide okay let's start with aga khan if aga khan faces salim aga khan is going to be grilled because salim is not a peter mansbridge who has got no idea 
what is going on behind the closed doors and who knows peter mansbridge could be one of the aga khan's men but anyway facing salim means coming clean which means the whole system collapses aga khan will not be able to say to salim what he says to peter mansbridge and that is the reason why aga khan cannot face salim now why would aga khanis hide from salim why would the followers hide from salim now to understand this we we must understand that there are two types of followers one is a religious type and the other is a socializer there are other categories as well which we'll talk about some other time but for the purpose of this discussion there are two types the religious type and then there is a socializer so the for the religious type the reason why he will not front me is because to hear anything negative about their infallible imam is a sin so they will not face salim now we come to the socializers many 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 of whom know that something wrong is happening here they know it but to them their social setup is very very important if you are talking to salim or having anything to do with him you are a bad person and you need to be boycotted now this is what socializers do with each other so each other is afraid of each other so if you talk to salim you are bad in fact i get many emails on a daily basis from those who are uh, socializers and they request me that look uh, salim i'm giving you this information but please do not disclose my name i get scores of emails of that nature so people are scared of each other they do not want to have anything to do with salim because dealing with salim means going against the system and going against the system means a boycott so the aga khanis will not face salim either now the situation that i would like my viewer to understand is salim has got no choice he cannot talk to aga khan he cannot request aga khan for a dialogue he cannot talk to his followers either what does salim do they just want salim to leave them alone so their system could continue to run a secretive society that insults islam on a daily basis that indoctrinates innocent children and abuses poor people on a financially on a financial basis that's what they want salim to do leave them, leave them alone let them do the wrong thing and guess what salim is not prepared to leave them alone without fixing the situation salim is not against your congregation salim is only against the abuse of people whether it be psychological whether it be financial and salim is also against the secretive society running in the name of islam that is what salim is against and salim is not prepared to give up now over many years i have tried to establish connections 
with Aga Khan, with the followers, with Aga Khani Council, the leaders. But you know, you know what their reaction or their response to my attempts to have a dialogue. I'll tell you about their response. How do they respond? They do not say a word. But here's the magic. Without saying a word, you can actually see in the eyes. Their eyes speak. And the eyes actually say to you, in fact, scream to you, that Salim, you are an idiot. We have seen many people like you come and go. So just leave me alone. I'm getting bored, get lost. That is what their eyes say, but their mouth is shut. That's how they respond. And you basically walk away. What else can you do? So let's understand the situation very, very clearly. They do not want to engage. They want to do the wrong thing behind the closed doors and they want me to give up my campaign. If Aga Khan wants to ignore me, if his followers want to ignore me, the only choice I have now got is to appeal to the Muslim Ummah to intervene. Dear viewer, I understand all the pros and cons of approaching the Muslim Ummah. And one way of approaching the Muslim Ummah is to do the Urdu series. But again, it is only one of the ways of approaching the Muslim Ummah. I understand this could potentially trigger an undesirable situation in Muslim countries. But you tell me, what choice has Aga Khan left me? And what choice has his murids left me? So, last October, I posted the videos to Aga Khan and I attempted to engage with him, but he closed the doors on my face. And then my, when my videos became a little bit popular, he then started to contact me to stop me from doing my work. Unfortunately, it was too little too late. If Aga Khan is listening to me now, I'm addressing you, Mr. Aga Khan. I am once again at your doorstep with an appeal and my hands are folded. Please come for a dialogue. If I am too little for you, please send your men or your women have a dialogue because after Ramzan, it could be too late. I also appeal today to the Aga Khanis, to the followers, to the Murids. I appeal them to use their brain, to use the divine gift called intelligence. Face the truth. Have the courage to face the truth and come forward. And either have a dialogue with me 
or have a dialogue with your counsel and get your counsel to speak to Aga Khan. Now we are back to our weekly episodes. When I was a child, I used to pass a Muslim mosque on my way to Jamaat Khana in Karimabad in Mumbai. But I never went inside the mosque. I always used to admire its beauty from outside. But on this particular day, I could not stop myself from stepping in. It was a Chandrat, by the way. And Chandrat, which is a night of uh, new moon, uh, and in Islam, Chandrat holds a very important and a very special uh, significance and is celebrated uh, by the entire Muslim Ummah with special prayers. Now inside the mosque, I saw men offering their prayers, saluted each other and then headed home. Some people stayed back to have a little chit chat and then they dispersed as well. And along with them, I stepped outside and walked to my Jamaat Khana. And for the first time, I noticed something about my Jamaat Khana. I had been going to Jamaat Khana for years. But this particular day, I saw my Jamaat Khana in contrast with what I saw in the mosque. I, I saw that in the mosque, the, the reason for people's presence was to worship. But when I walked into my Jamaat Khana, I found the focus of most people, not all, most people was on the display of beauty, fashion and wealth. And as a young man, I would wonder why is there so much focus on the material rather than the worship. Little did I realize that that was exactly how the system was planned by Aga Khan III. He converted the Jamaat Khana, the place of worship, into a social club where people could socialize and also at the same time, if they wanted to, try their hand at the game of politics. One of the first things he did was to encourage his followers to adopt a Western lifestyle, particularly the attire, the, the way they dressed. They could now dress the way they wanted. And for women, this liberty was God sent, literally. Aga Khan III then established institutions which would, amongst other functions, ensure worshippers were well kept, entertained, they were uh, they, 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 they were entertained with stage shows, picnics, dinners, music, traditional dances uh, and so on and on and on. Soon a lot of socializers gravitated towards Jamaat Khana. And this legacy of Aga Khan III lives to the day. If you were to ask any Aga Khani, is Jamaat Khana a place of worship or is it a club? an entertainment club. More than likely his response will be, it is a place of worship but we also socialize. 
and if you are interested in putting them in a in a tight corner you could ask the next question so what is the primary purpose of going to jamaat khana is it to to pray or is it to socialize more than likely he will say to you mainly for prayers he dare not say that they go for socializing most of them now if they say to you they primarily go there for prayers nothing could be further from the truth yes it is true that there are many many aga khani followers who actually go there only to pray and i know these people personally they will come to jamaat khana they will do their prayers and no sooner the jamaat khana is over they are out but that is hardly a very very small percentage of the jamaat khana it is the social aspect in reality that draws the crowds it is no wonder that in islamic countries like pakistan aga khanis face persecution not only for their heretic outlook but for their indifference about the fact that their behavior is causing offense it's the indifference aga khanis have somehow got the impression that they are superior muslims and the fact of the matter is they are not even muslims they cannot be called muslims when aga khan becomes god islam is finished is no more now coming back to the social setup the question is what has this glitter what has this fashion parade got to do with worship islamic worship it took me a long time to understand and eventually i figured it out and i'll i'll share that with you today you work monday to friday it's been a dragging week at the end of the dragging week where would you go a place of worship or would you rather go to a social gathering of course it depends on whether you are religious or you are social but where do most people would prefer to go where would they prefer to go aga khan 3 i don't call him a genius for nothing he quickly realized most people would prefer to go to a club to socialize not only that they would be willing to pay for it but here was a problem he knew he had to basically start a club but how could he do that he was a muslim imam he couldn't do it in the open so he decided to do it behind closed doors he came up with this brilliant idea of fusing the place of worship and a club and it worked and it still does attendance at a place of worship that is jamaat khana is the highest 
compared to other religions. Fridays and weekends in particular are full, they are packed. Not because Aga Khanis are all that religious, but because they go there to socialize. Only 20 days in a calendar year in an Aga Khani Jamaat Khana draws 42% of the attendance. Get this right. Out of 365 days, only 20 days account for 42% of attendance. And it is on these days that Jamaat Khana becomes a fashion parade. Men uh, they'll wear a suit and a tie and that kind of stuff, that's okay, but the women, they get carried away and they show a little bit more than their clothing. And this is no hearsay, this is my own observation. And if Aga Khanis are listening to me, they know it, it is true. The worst that I have seen in Jamaat Khana is a mini skirt which shows a woman's thigh. I have seen low necks. I have seen open backs. I have seen full on makeup and I have seen glittering attire. It is important to note. It is very important to note that very few women engage in this kind of behavior, very few. But it is a fact that it does happen in an Islamic place of worship. Now, am I suggesting that we should not be wearing good clothing when we pray? Not at all. What has clothes got to do with your connection with the divine? All I'm saying is the focus needs to be on the prayers rather than showing off. It is all about intention. And the intention is absolutely transparent. If people had come for the prayers, they would be coming on the weekdays, but they don't. They only come when there is a gathering, there is a large gathering. Most the more and more people get to see them, more and more people get to see their beauty, get to see their fashion and get to see their wealth. I know people who love to show off their cars. I know people personally who love to show how religious they are. How I know people who love to show how rich they are. And What's the best place to show all this off? Jamaat Khana. Again, I'm not against fashion. I'm not against showing the wealth. I am just against doing all this in a place of worship. Do whatever you have to do in a social setting. Separate it. Segregate the prayer hall. Go somewhere else, go to a club, make a club, hire a club and do whatever you have to do there. But when you go to Jamaat Khana or any place of worship, have some respect. Now the club 
has its own merits meeting people eating together drinking together laughing together dancing together is not only good it is important it is important to do all these things and this is one of the things i love about aga khani system because it offers this facility in a very organized manner and aga khan 3 must take the credit for this but his intention was to make money now today it's all happening what i mean to say is all these good things are happening eating together dancing together laughing together all this is happening but there is a dark side to it as well there's a dark side to the social club called jamaat khana in the car parks of jamaat khana particularly in north america young aga khanis are engaging in prostitution and drugs and none other than a missionary an aga khani missionary has reported this many years ago when i used to be an ismaili myself and he mentioned north america it could it could have been united states it could have been canada but he did mention north america now in the car park this is what is going on but inside the building there are stories of extra marital affairs very very common stories that are coming out of jamaat khanas particularly in north america only a couple of days ago a north american ismaili aga khani called me and narrated this story which is in the press by the way you can look it up um uh, the story is i i don't want to name any names it is it is in the newspaper you can read it in the atlanta jamaat khana the mukhi saheb of a very spiritual majlis a religious meeting sexually assaulted a lady of the jamaat khana where did he assault her i don't know whether it was in jamaat khana or outside i don't know but he sexually assaulted her he is a married man with children now this lady was so offended as anybody would be she reported him to the police he was arrested taken to the court convicted but here is the beautiful part of the story and i really really hope that my aga khani brothers and sisters open their eyes after getting convicted after serving his term in the prison mukhi saheb came back and began forgiving other people's sins on behalf of aga khan Let's get on move on spreading fake lore is a cultural heritage of aga khanis social system has got these people called bhagats bhagats are very very religious or pretend to be religious uh, and they are absolutely fanatic you cannot tell them or talk to them about any you cannot say anything negative about aga khan or the system now these bhagats deserve most of the credit for spreading these fictitious stories 
what their motivation is what makes them so happy about making up these stories and spreading them i really don't understand but it has to be a sick mind if you are an aga khani you must have heard a lot of stories i have heard a story about um uh, 1971 the war uh, uh with uh, india and uh, this is in karachi that indian planes were attacking karachi and it was a blackout and uh, people were living in fear any time the bomb could drop and you know what only the people who lived in ismaili buildings only those is buildings they somebody reported seeing in the dark night somebody reported seeing a horse a white horse galloping from one building to another building and on this white horse is the imam shakari malusaini with his sword zulfikar the horse obviously was duldul and he was riding the duldul in his hand is zulfikar and the horse is jumping galloping from one building to another protecting the aga khanis i've heard that story myself but let me tell you a story uh, that is actually in print you can actually benefit from him and you can draw a lot of entertainment out of it the story goes as such to to understand this story you will need to understand an islamic event which is very close to muslim uh, uh, which is very close to a muslim's heart and this and the event is called miraj miraj is an event when one day the prophet of islam was sleeping and an angel came to him and said that god has invited you to meet him and it's a very long story but basically the god the angel comes with a horse uh, and uh, horse has got wings and the prophet rides on that horse and he basically climbs the sky the horse flies to the seven skies and basically uh, on the seventh sky or which sky i don't know but uh, the prophet is offered a lot of food and then a hand comes out from behind a curtain and this hand is obviously god's hand right but the prophet the shia muslims claim that prophet prophet uh, saw this hand and he thought that this hand is very familiar uh, and then when he when he thought a little bit he thought that oh this hand is actually uh, imam ali's hand so imam ali is god in an, uh, the, the moral of the story is of course this story of miraj is from the shia perspective sunnis will not subscribe to this at all okay so according to shias the the hand that came out of the curtain on the seventh heaven uh, was god's hand and it was ali's hand so ali is god that is basically the moral of the story and uh, so this particular fake lore that you can benefit from uh, in print is actually uh, it goes like this 
that uh, Imam Sultan Muhammad Shah, this is 1939, and Imam Sultan Muhammad Shah basically gives a didar to his followers in, in, in Bombay. Didar is basically a meeting between um, the, the Imam and uh, the followers. It is, didar is to see somebody, to see somebody special. Yeah? So he gives the didar to his followers. And what happens is before the Imam arrives, the whole congregation, thousands upon thousands of people congregate. And whilst they are waiting for the Imam to arrive, this missionary stands up and gives a wise or a religious discourse. And on this particular day, whilst they were awaiting uh, Imam's arrival, this missionary was explaining or narrating the story of Shabe Miraj, uh, where uh, the Prophet saw God's hand. Before he could continue, he could complete the story, the, the police siren rung, uh, rang out and uh, that, that signaled that the Imam was there. So the, the missionary concluded his wires, he left it incomplete and he sat down. Then Imam came inside the hall and the first question there are th remember there are thousands of people in the hall so he goes to this missionary and he says who was delivering these wires before i came and the missionary with the folded hands uh, he says uh, kudavin it was me okay what was the subject of your wires and missionary says he is actually trembling now He's saying, Kudavin, uh, uh, it was uh, the mirage of the Prophet. Okay, so how far did you get? Did you complete the story? And the missionary says, no, no, my Lord. Uh, when I heard the police siren, uh, I thought you had arrived and I left the story incomplete and I sat down. And uh, he said, okay, that's okay. But uh, did you, where were you up to in the story? And he says, oh, I was up to uh, this uh, hand coming out of the curtain and that hand was God's hand. Imam asks the missionary, missionary, do you know which hand it was? And missionary says, Khudavin, you know better. And the Imam raised his right hand and he says, this was the hand. Now, that is within the same story, within the same uh, hall, there is another story developing here. This is one story that Imam is saying, I am God. Now, there is a lady, a very poor lady, who is a very, very ardent follower, uh, staunch Ismaili, staunch Aga Khani. She travels all the way from Punjab to Bombay to just get a glimpse of her Mola, her Lord Aga Khan III. And she has gone through a lot of difficulty in this travel. She is not a rich woman, very poor woman. And she has got a little baby in her arms. And uh, she goes and sits inside the hall like everybody does and she's waiting for the imam to come and she 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 remembers 
and she takes the tasbih and says ya ali ya ali but unfortunately her little baby who was an infant in her arms all of a sudden the baby develops fever and she notices the fever is actually rising by the minute and within next few minutes the fever got out of control but because she was such a spiritual person she was she had firm belief in the fact that my child nothing will happen to my child my imam will protect my child but by the time the imam came the child actually lost consciousness and he was unresponsive now she noticed that the child was unresponsive she was crying inside but at the same time she had this faith that nothing will happen to my child and tears are flowing down her eyes her eyes are still closed she's got the dead baby in her arms and she keeps on saying ya ali ya ali she does not think about taking the child to the hospital anyway imam comes and begins the dastaposhi which means to meet the imam personally now she she carries the little infant in her arms and uh, imam says oh this is a beautiful child uh, is this your son yes imam this is my son oh but he is not responding bring the child here and he touched the child and the child began crying imam said now your child is crying take her to a doctor this magic this magic used to be performed by jesus christ he brought the dead to life imam can also do that if you want to try it next time you go for a didar give it a go by the way this is where you can read this whole story i have not narrated it exactly the way it is it is printed but this is basically the gist of the story that imam is able to bring the dead to life next week we talk about uh different things uh we will in fact begin with the murid the aga khani we will go inside the aga khani's head we will go into his mind to see how does he think what does he think the imam is we will see the imam we will see aga khan from his eyes not my eyes and that is what is important how does he see the imam why is he why cannot he see the reality why can he only see the imam how does this murid interact in the jamaat khana with his peers what how many different types of murids there are we will discuss murids the followers in our next week's episode until then take care of yourself goodbye